I'm teaching Ebony to learn to drive uh, at the moment. Yeah, woohoo, says Ebony. Everyone else looks shocked. Um, I've done this before, so I feel a little sense of confidence. We're still sort of early into the process. and She's asking all of the usual questions at the moment. Um, you know, how early before a corner do I have to start indicating? Um, how far ahead of the car in the next lane do I need to be before I could, you know, indicate and uh, move into that lane? How far do I need to stop behind the car at the traffic lights? You know, you pull up and when you're just learning to drive, these things are not instinctive. How far do I need to be behind the car? She hasn't yet got to the stage, she hasn't got to the confidence stage to ask the really important questions that you need to ask when you learn to drive, which is, how far over the speed limit can you drive before you actually get caught? You know, it says 60, but what's the real speed limit? How red does the light have to be and you can still go through it? You know, like it's orange, that's okay, a little bit of red. How far, how long does it have to be red before the camera's actually going to go off and I'm going to be in real trouble? And I can tell by the smiles and laughs in the place that everyone knows those questions, don't they? Uh, they're questions that I think, maybe it's just me, we, uh, most of us, if not all of us, ask at some point. Because we're human. It's human nature to look for the loophole, isn't it? It's human nature to ask, how far can I go? You know, when the rule is this, how close can you get to the line? That's the way we work. And it's not just driving, is it? How late can I get to work before I'm actually in trouble? <laughs> What's the real deadline on that school assignment? I mean, it says five o'clock on Friday, but is the teacher actually going to look at it before Monday morning? You know, can, can, can I just kind of sneak it in after that? What's, what's the real deadline on that assignment or on that piece of work? Do I have to declare all of this on my tax? You know, if I declare most of it, that'll be good enough for the government, won't it? And the question that I get asked at every youth camp I ever go to, which is, how far is too far? <laughs> you know, it's, it's just human nature, isn't it? There's a line, how close can I get to the line? We're talking about the kingdom of God. Uh, Matthew, Mark and Luke in their biographies of Jesus all agree that Jesus opens his public life, his sort of opening statement of his ministry, is to say that the kingdom of God has come near. And we've said that this idea, this kingdom of God, the kingdom that Jesus is talking about, this is not a new nation the way that we know nations. Jesus didn't raise an army. He never fought a war. He didn't run for parliament or make those sorts of public addresses. Instead, he talks about the kingdom of God as like a world within a world, a kingdom within a kingdom. It's a world that all of us are invited into. And it's a world that Jesus spent a lot of time talking about. In fact, across the Gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke and John, Jesus spends more time talking about the nature of the kingdom of God, what it is and how it works, than anything else that he talks about. And in this series, we're working our way through Matthew chapter 5, 6 and 7. Uh, we said last week, it's sometimes what people call a Sermon on the Mount, if you've ever heard that word. And, and it really is, uh, Matthew presents it as one long teaching of Jesus. It's one sort of monologue from Jesus, lasts a whole three chapters in our Bibles. And it's, it's almost exclusively Jesus' teaching about the nature of the kingdom of God. 
Last week we read the first part of Matthew chapter 5 and today we're going to pick it up uh, with Jesus teaching in verse 21. So if you've got your Bibles, we are uh, beginning in Matthew 5 verse 21. I'm going to read it. I'm going to skip some little bits as we go along, but you're going to get the gist of this next part of Jesus teaching. Verse 21. You have heard that it was said to people long ago, you shall not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Verse 27. You've heard it said, uh, you've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Verse 31. It's been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery. Verse 33. Again, you've heard that it was said to people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it's God's throne, or by the earth, for it's his footstool. Verse 37. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond that comes from the evil one. Verse 38. You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. Verse 43. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who who persecute you. In this part of the teaching, Jesus is redefining or reinterpreting the religious rules and the laws that the people of that day live by. He's not throwing them out. Uh, In fact, if you read just a few verses before we started in verse 21, in verse 17, Jesus says, Don't think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. No, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So Jesus isn't changing the law here. What he's doing is he's changing the way that people understand and apply the law and the rules in their lives. And each part of this teaching you probably picked up, it has the same basic structure. He says, you've heard that it was said, something, 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 but I tell you. He takes common religious laws and he gives them a twist. You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit murder and anyone who murders is subject to judgment. It's an old law, everyone knew that. But I tell you that anyone who's angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. Everyone knew that one. But I tell you, anyone who even looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in her heart and so on and so on. Now, I've got to tell you honestly, when I first read this stuff as a young person, I panicked. Right? I panicked because I thought I thought I was doing okay, right? I hadn't murdered anyone. And now Jesus is saying, but even if I'm angry with someone, I thought I was doing okay and committed adultery. And then Jesus says, even if you look at a woman lustfully. And I started to think, I'm in trouble here. These laws, you know, this is, I can't ever reach this sort of bar. What's what's Jesus trying to say here? 
Here's the thing that Jesus is actually trying to teach. See, in the kingdom of this world, people live for themselves. They obey the law mostly, and they try and get away with what they can around the laws. How much over the speed limit can I go and not get caught? How long can I drive through a red light before the camera actually goes off? I know I shouldn't murder someone, but I can still be mean to them, can't I? I mean, it's okay because it's not murder, right? How, how close can I get to that murder line? If I say horrible things about them, if I talk about them behind their backs, is that okay? I mean, if they cut me off at a traffic light, can I... Whatever you do when someone, you know, cuts you off at a traffic light. Essentially, they're asking, how nasty can I be before I'm actually nasty, right? And Jesus steps in and says, this is how the world works, but this is not how the kingdom of God works. Remember, in, in Jesus' teaching, the kingdom of God is based on one all-powerful law. Matthew will tell us in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, the greatest commandment, the most important law is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. He says this. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. For Jesus, the kingdom of God is based on love. Love God and love others. And everything else hangs on those two commands. I picture it like those mobiles uh, I don't know about you, but uh, when my children were young, they always had a mobile ha hung over their cot. It was like two pieces of wood with all sorts of stuff hanging off it. And there's all sorts of things on that mobile, but it all hangs off those two pieces of wood. That's, that's a picture of the way Jesus is saying the law works. There's all kinds of things that we can say we should be doing for God or shouldn't be doing for God, but it all hangs off this frame that is love God and love others. Everything in the law, everything we should be going, hangs off those two commands. And Jesus is teaching here that, that living in the king, people living in the kingdom of God don't try and get away with as much as they can. Actually, they try and love as much as they can. People living in God's kingdom don't try to find loopholes to get around the law. Instead, they try and overdo the law of love. Because that's what people do in a loving relationship. This is the upside-down nature of the kingdom of God. Yeah. My daughter doesn't say, how few times can I see my boyfriend this week and still maintain the relationship? No, because she loves him. She wants to see him as much as she possibly can. He's smiling in the second row, why wouldn't you? <laughs> if you really love someone, you don't say, well, I haven't murdered them, it's okay. You really try and control your anger with that person, yeah? This is what Jesus is teaching here. It's not about sort of what's the low bar. It's how much over that can I do? How much love can I express for someone? If you really love someone, then don't commit adultery. It's a pretty low bar. But to really love another person is to look at them as a child of God, not as an object of lust. To, to really love someone, you don't, you don't try to wiggle out of your promises. Do you remember when you were a kid and you used to cross your fingers? 
And so, and so you could say to someone, well, I promise this. But then later you would come to them and say, well, I was, I was crossing my fingers behind my back, so the promise didn't count. But we, we kind of do that as adults, don't we? Or that wasn't a real promise. I didn't really mean that. No, when you really love someone, all you need to say is yes and no. You do what you say yes to and you don't do what you say no to. That's the kind of love that Jesus is teaching about here. If you really love someone, you don't live sort of thinking, well, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You don't live thinking, well, they did that for me, so I'm now allowed to do that for them. You know, they hurt me, so I can, I can hurt them back. If you really love someone, you forgive them. Again and again and again. They hurt you and you turn the other cheek and say, well, I love you. If, I don't want you to hurt me again, but if you're going to, I'm still here because I love you. Jesus is using these examples to make a point. To make a point that the kingdom of the world is all about me. What we can get away with, how we can get around the laws. I mean, you know, what we, what we can do if no one's looking. Is, is there a loophole? But the kingdom of God is a world where God's in control and where his people love and trust him, where people want to do whatever they can to love and to honour others around them. The law of this world says, how little can I do? The law of love says, how much can I do? Jesus is, is trying to teach the difference between the way the the world works, the way law works and rules work in the world versus the way they work in the kingdom of God. And the things that he lists out, these are examples to make that point. When you read this, you're not supposed to just be thinking about murder and divorce and adultery. You're supposed to be thinking about what the law of love, what the kingdom of God looks like in your world. You've heard it said, if it feels good, do it. But I say, honour one another above yourselves. Romans 12.10, honour one another above yourselves. You've heard it said, if it doesn't hurt anyone else, then it's okay. But I say, Ephesians 4.32, always be kind to one another. You've heard it said, there are some things that you can just never forgive. But I say, Colossians 3.13, forgive others the way that Jesus forgave you. You've heard it said, everyone exaggerates a little bit on their taxes. But I say, 2 Corinthians 9.7, give cheerfully, give generously. So the real question this morning is, what does this teaching ask you? In your life. Not, not just about murder and divorce. What is it that the law of love, what is it that the law of, king, the, law of the kingdom challenges you with in your life? What is it that Jesus would be saying about you? Well, you've heard it said, this is the way it works in the world. But I say, and flips it and says, but this is the way it ought to work in the kingdom. Jesus' teaching keeps turning our world upside down. 
Jesus keeps pointing to things right through. We're going to see this right through this series. Jesus keeps pointing to things. In this case, it's the way the law works. He keeps pointing to things and saying, well, this is the way it works in the world. But I want to show you the way it works in the kingdom. This is the way it's going to work for everyone around you. This is the way that you've probably been taught that it works. But when you are reborn into the kingdom of God, it is a whole new way of seeing the world. God's kingdom is about love and grace and peace and forgiveness and generosity. And haven't the last few weeks reminded us that the world just doesn't work that way, does it? The kingdom of God is an invitation for us to live differently. Jesus' death and resurrection opens the way for us to follow him, for us to die to ourselves and for us to be born again into the kingdom. The writers of the New Testament say it repeatedly. You can look it up. It's, it's dozens of different ways that it says sort of we die with Christ and we are raised with him. The old part of us, the way of seeing the world, that worldly part of us kind of dies in, in a spiritual sense and we are reborn into this new kingdom. And we now live by these new rules. That's an invitation that God makes through Jesus to every one of us. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how good you've been or how bad you've been. Jesus opens the door for us to live in his kingdom and to live by a whole new set of rules. He invites us to die to the selfishness and the hate and the greed and to be reborn in his kingdom through love and kindness and generosity. That's what it means to live in the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus is trying to teach here. And so now the choice is yours.